0: So uh, my name is Sarah, and many of you know me, um, and some of you might not know me. Um, so I operate Kiribo Africa Ministries in Uganda, and Naomi, you want to come and say it properly? No? Okay, so you want to come? So there's different tribal languages in Uganda, so different tribes pronounce words differently. So. One tribe can pronounce it Kirabo. Another can say? Chirabo. Chirabo. Where the K-I makes a "cha sound. <laughs> Thanks, Zoe. OK, you can go. Oh. oh, I can do it myself. Oh, yay. OK, so this is uh, my family. So I have four of my girls here with me. I have Abby, Zoe, Naomi, and Zuri. Naomi, you said you wanted to come up here. Now you don't want. Naomi, you come. Uh Uh-huh. You want to say something? Okay. You just wanted to say hi to everybody? How old are you? Eight. She's eight years old. Thank you, Naomi. And Naomi, what is your other name? Kirapo. Kirabo is her middle name, actually <laughs> So Kirabo means gift. okay, but th- so this is my family. This is uh, my husband, and we have Zoe, Naomi. We have Safina's on my lap. Then we have our baby Zion. He just turned thirteen months. I left him in Safina with my husband in Uganda, so it's been a little difficult being apart. Um, yeah. And so we are in Uganda and Uganda is in East Africa. If you don't know exactly where it is, you see the little arrow, it points to it. So Uganda is a really small country. It's not that big. It's the size of the state of Oregon. Um, And so we're actually located on the equator, which is kind of cool because we have 12 hours of daylight year round. So we have like daylight 7 a.m. to 7 p.m which is, I love it. Like here now, the girls are like, it's five o'clock and it's dark, why? So we're used to (laughs) 12 hours of daylight and we don't have daylight savings time um, because of that, because we're on the equator. So we have rainy season, dry season. Rainy season, dry season. Okay. I keep forgetting I'm doing it myself. So um, the population in Uganda is about 48 million and 50% of the population is under the age of 15, and there's over 3 million orphans within Uganda. And these are just some of the different types of homes. Um, There's huts, we have um, uh, brick homes, Uh, we have, these ones are typically found more in the village type setting, then we have if you see the upper left that is more of like a slum type setting in the city but then down you can see it's a nice home with bricks so we do have nicer homes and then on the right you can see that they're more like tin like made out of like um oh, what do you call them like roof roofing yes yes like the metal the roofing tin metal Um, And so they can actually get really, really hot inside of them. Um, And most families do not have access to water or electricity. So I was uh, talking to the kids last week. So some of my slides were actually more for the kids, but I thought it was cool information. So I was talking to them about chores and what kind of chores typically a Ugandan child would do versus the chores that they do. And um, so I was telling them about how a lot of families don't have running water, which means it's a long process just to do laundry or to drink water. Um, So you know, a kid will have to go and fetch the water. They have to maybe travel miles to go and fetch the water. Then they'll have to come back. Then they'll have to get all their clothes in a basin with soap. Then they'll have to hand wash with their hands. And then they'll have to line dry or put the clothes out in the yard so that they'll dry. And so the kids found it really interesting because the water is also not clean, so it's not drinkable. You can't drink the water just straight. So you have to usually boil your water. And so can you imagine going and fetch your water, say you're really thirsty, and then you have to go and fetch your water, then you have to come back with the water, then you have to boil the water, and then you have to wait for it to cool down because you, know, you don't have refrigeration or ice or anything like that to make it cool down. So then finally, after it cools down, then you can drink it. So this is, um, we have different churches in Uganda, and we have big, huge, massive churches that have tents, Um, and buildings, and then we have churches like this, which are made out of like wood slats. And then in the village, a lot of times they might not have a church, and so they will meet under a tree. And actually, I don't know if some of you have met um, Trudy Marshall, I'm gonna (laughs) point you out. Trudy Marshall's over here. And she does Libraries of Love, if you've heard of them. And she um, works in Kenya and Uganda, and she actually builds churches, which is really, really cool. So, um, but, so a lot of people who don't have churches, that's well, where they'll meet, is they'll just meet wherever they can because they want to worship God, which is really cool. So my family is, actually lives in the city. So Trudy lives more in the village. <laughs> in the middle of nowhere. I don't know how you do that, girl. Like, I don't know how you do that. She literally lives, like, in the middle of nowhere. Um, But, so, we live in the city of Kampala, which is the capital city of Uganda. And it is a massive city. And it has a huge population. And you can see on the left, that's city life. (laughs) Like, there's tons of people, there's pedestrians, there's tall buildings. So it's more of like slum areas. Um, within the city. And then on the right, you can see the village. It's gorgeous, it's beautiful. There's land, people's homes are spread out because they have you know family land, um, and it's very rural, and they do farming. So in Uganda, this is our typical traffic. So uh, the girls have loved um, America because the roads are so nice and smooth, and there's no potholes. And we're used to like off-roading it most of the time. (laughs) And I have like a mom van. So it's not really good for off-roading, but it works. (laughs) So, um, but yeah, this is typically what the traffic is like. So in Uganda, we call it the jam. So we don't call it traffic, we just say the jam. And everyone knows, okay, I'm stuck in the jam. Well, if you're stuck in the jam, that means it, it might be three hours before you get somewhere. Uh, And it's like, you know, a short distance, (laughs) but it could be three hours. And then we have Boda Boda's, which Trudy over here rides all the time. And I cannot ride them because I'm just so scared of them. I can't. Only twice. She said she's only been kidnapped twice. Only twice. So, no, I can't handle it. When I first got there, I did them. But now I can't. but uh and children you're not allowed to ride them either i know that some of you have ridden once or twice you know mommy's rules right no boda bodas so um it's so funny to see what is on a boda boda one day you'll be driving down and there's a boda with just a ton of chickens like 100 chickens tied live chickens by the way tied up (laughs) to the boda then one day what did we see guys we saw mattresses stacked up Oh, great big fish! We've seen a bed being transported on one. Um, you see here the jerry cans; those that's usually used for water. And you see the family. There's like what one, two, three, four, five, six. I think I've seen the most I've seen is like ten, <laughs> which is pretty crazy. Um, but yeah, so bodas are used for everything. So what's kind of cool though about bodas is you know how you guys have like UPS and um, DHL and know all the delivery companies right so you order your christmas gifts and they come in the truck so for us we order through a boda boda so we'll order for the from the store and then the boda boda guy delivers to our house which was really nice especially during covid so uh, we serve children and families in uganda And I just just love these pictures, so I wanted to share. We do have some land um, out more in a village area, and so these are some of our families that we serve in that community. And I just always love this African proverb, it takes a village to raise a child, because I just feel like that's so true. Like everyone needs community, right? So a lot of our families in Uganda are surviving day to day, um, they usually typically live on just $1 a day, uh, which is just crazy. Um, most people only eat one meal a day and they might get meat once a week. Um, usually they eat like porridge for breakfast. And then we have pocho and beans as a staple, which it's like cornmeal, cornmeal and mush. but it's not mush. It's like, I don't know how, cream of wheat. Um, Because it's more thicker, I feel like. Like, it's like, I don't know. It's just, it literally has no taste. (laughs) But it's really good with beans. Like, you just soak it in the beans. So it's good with that. Um, But many, many, many of our children in Uganda are engaged in some type of child labor. So you can see here there are kids out selling. So parents will send the kids out to sell, you know, corn, corn or fruits or vegetables, and they're usually not allowed to come back home until they've sold everything. So I've seen kids out at like midnight, and I've seen kids as young as like four or five um, selling. So then there's a little kid uh, on the left, upper left. Um, He's in a rock quarry, I know it's a darker photo, so I don't know if you can really see it, but this was one of my first trips to Uganda. And we visited um, a slum area, and they had a rock quarry, and that was their main form of work. And so he would sit there all day, 12 hours a day, and he had this stick with a rock put on the end of the stick, and would sit there and beat rocks so that they would be made into like gravel. Um, and so then the construction companies will come and buy the gravel to use for roads or building or. Um, But he would literally make, like, I don't know, 20 cents a day or something. It was just ridiculous for, you know, just sitting there all day long. So um, I guess I kind of skipped over my testimony. My mom always says I'm supposed to share that. But I grew up here in Uganda. I mean, I grew up here in this church. Um, (laughs) I know, I'm not in Uganda. I grew up here. Um, And I was actually one of the first graduating WeWINS class, so thank you for all your WeWINS teachers in here. (laughs) And um, I just felt God calling me into missions like at a really young age. And I didn't know what that meant, I didn't know where I would end up, I had no clue, but over the years God gradually showed me where I was supposed to be. And so I ended up in Uganda. So when I was there, specifically, um, God gave me a vision And he told me that I was supposed to start a children's home. And I thought that was interesting because I actually went to nursing school. Um, And so I thought, okay, I'm I'm thinking medical missions, you know, um, God will, you know, bring me to be a nurse in the mission field. So when he had a different idea, I was like, okay, (laughs) all right. But you know, you just have to jump in and obey whatever God is telling you to do. So I was like, okay, God, let's do it. Um, And so there really is a true need um, in Uganda because we don't have any type of like child protective services, you know, things like that. Um, We don't have like the foster care system. Uh, So that's all kind of like just starting in Uganda and they're just starting to really set laws in place um, for these things, which is good that they're finally doing that. So these are some pictures of the children's home, one of our um, aunties, our baby's room, some of the boys playing. So like I said, we don't really have Child Protective Services, but we do work very closely with our police. So our police, they have what they call Child Family Protection Units. Um, and so, the, But the problem is, they're underfunded, um, they're not staffed well, and they get paid very, very little to do their job. So they frequently call us because they're like, okay, they'll call us for simple things even like, we need paper, just so that they can print um, documents that they need to be printed. Or they need transportation to go to take a child or a family from the police station to somewhere else. Um, So we support them and they also support us. So it's a great relationship that we have. So our children that we get are typically from our police. Um, We work, along with our police, we have what we call a probation officer, which I know to you guys sounds like, maybe like a parole officer, but a probation officer is basically like CPS, like a social worker for CPS. But you have one for, I don't know, thousands and thousands and thousands of people. Like, say, say you had like one for all of Pflugerville. Actually, it would be more than that. But imagine you had just one person that you could go to with family issues that is a government official that you can go to. Um, so we work very closely with our probation officer and our police. So they all work hand-in-hand hand with each other. So when a case is referred to probation or when a case is referred to police, they call, call each other, and then they figure out what is the next step. So we are a lot of times that next step. So we get referred to us, um, many, many, many different cases and all of our children's cases are actually extremely unique. Um, No case has been like exactly alike, but typically we handle abandonment cases. We also handle custody cases. Um, Where like families, like maybe the mother and father have separated, and maybe the mother wants the child, and then the father wants the child, or the mother wants to travel to Sudan or Kenya with the child, and so um, they'll tell us to temporarily have the child so that, you know, the child isn't like um, removed or taken to another country. Um, so we've even had to work with embassies, like the Sudanese embassy and the Kenyan embassy and the Congo embassy, um, because they have to be lawfully handled. And then once it's lawfully handled, then we're able to place the child with the family member. So they can be kind of complicated and really difficult on the children, because they have no idea why they're being taken away from their family and being put in a children's home. Like, no idea whatsoever. like. What's going on? Um, so we also handle a lot of neglect, a lot of abuse cases. Um, we handle t- runaways. I, at first, I wanted to write teenage runaways, but some of the runaways can be like 8, nine, ten years old. So they can actually be quite young. Um, but they're usually running away from an abusive situation um, or from a child labor situation. So we do have child labor situations. Um, because school in Uganda, which I'll talk a little about that, that later, school in Uganda costs money. So you have to pay school fees. And most families can't afford school fees. So then what happens is the children sit at home. But when they sit at home, then the, it's almost like the family is like, sees it as like a burden, like they're eating food, but you know we can't do anything for them. So especially girls, they will send girls as young as 10 years old, And this is a big problem in the city, um, because they will be in the village, but they'll send their young girls to the city to work as a maid. Um, So we have had several cases where they'll run away, or they aren't paid, or they're abused, and so they'll end up in our care temporarily as we reunite them with their family. So we also handle teenage pregnancies, and we work with a lot of families. Like, this family on the right is one of the families in our community, and it's a single mom, and she's raising her kids, and they're happy. I mean, I hope you can see that in the picture. Like, she loves her children, but she has to work. She doesn't have enough money to pay school fees, so we come alongside them. We have a daycare program. So some of our young children that aren't able to be in school should be in school they come to our daycare program and then we try to be able to get school fees um, so that we can put them in school so that we can prevent these other issues that happen we can come alongside I feel like when I first came to Uganda it was more like being the the end right like you're handling like you're being a band-aid almost like you're handling after all the trauma, after the abuse, after everything, then this emergency situation happens, and then we come in. And so we are wanting to try to be more proactive with our families that are already there, and just they need that extra support. They need that community. They need to hear about the love of Jesus. They need to have some hope you know, given to them. Um, so this is uh, Baby James Tendo. Tendo means praise. He was actually abandoned, and he was abandoned um, at a construction site. And so we've had children abandoned at construction sites in pit latrines; those are the worst ones. Um, on the side of the road, um, but sometimes you can really tell that the mother truly loved their child and just couldn't didn't have any other opportunity for their child, and. So that was their last resort, was to abandon the child, hoping that the child would be taken into a children's home and be taken care of. And we had one little boy, he now has a foster family, but he was abandoned at a church, and the mother wrote a letter and attached it to him. And he was um, 10 months old at the time, and he only weighed 10 pounds at 10 months old. So he was extremely malnourished. And she wrote on the letter, I know he's going to die if I do not give him up. And she said that she was living on the street and she had, she couldn't even produce enough breast milk because she wasn't getting um, nourishment or good food herself. And so that was her last resort was, and she left the, the baby at the church hoping that the church would be there. And so um, the church called the police and the police called us. And we were able to come in and we hoped to find her and we never did find her. So it still breaks my heart um, that we never found her. But he's with a great um, foster family. So that's really good. So um, here are some other cases that we've handled. Um, we handled teenage pregnancies. So in both of these cases, um, the mother came to us after the child had been born. Um, but they just really needed support. So Sonia and baby Zaria, um, Zaria was only a couple of days old uh, when she came, and she hadn't named her yet, actually. I remember that, because she hadn't named her, because I was asking her, okay, what's the baby's name? Like, what have you you named her? She was like, "Mm, I don't know yet. I'm still (laughs) thinking about it. And she ended up naming her Zaria, which means helped by God, because we had stepped in and helped, and she felt... Um, that she now had hope and support. And so she stayed with us for some time and then she was able to be reunited with her family. So she lives with her sister now um, and they're doing great. Um, so I just, I actually really miss her. She was a great, they always called her, they call her Aunt Sonia. <laughs> um, Agnes's story is really, really sad. We talked about how some families will send their girls to be maids And so they do that because the girls are just sitting at home and honestly, they feel like that's the best option because when the girls are sitting at home, boys will come around and the girls can easily get pregnant. And so they think, okay, well, let's go put them to work. Like, let's go, you know, um, even if they're 13, 14, they're like, okay, let's send them to be a maid. Well, then they can't get in trouble. But the problem is they're still boys. And now they're not being monitored by their family, right? They're li- Sometimes they're living with complete strangers. Um, and so we get the most horrific stories. And Agnes is one of them. If you see her arm, it was humongous. It was so swollen. I, I thought it had to be broken. It had to be broken. But we took her first scans, and it wasn't broken. But she had just been so repeatedly. Um, the lady would, the, the mother, it was actually the mother, um, Where she was sent to be a housemaid, it was a mother and a mom and dad and their little baby. And so she was supposed to be in charge of the baby. But if the baby cried, then she was beaten. And obviously babies cry, right? For no reason, babies cry. Um, And I don't know if you can see, because it's not close to you guys, but on her neck, there are scratch marks. Because the lady would literally choke her and claw her. Um, and she honestly was the worst abuse case I've ever seen, Um, but she's doing well now. She's back with her parents. So a lot of things that we have to do is we also have to reteach the parents that this is not okay. You know, like, we got to protect our our girls. Yeah, I know that this might be your option. Like, you think it's your only option, but we have to be able to do something else for our girls because it's just not safe so we love to restore families we really feel like god designed us to be in families right um that's why we have kids that's why you know it's just how god created us and that's what's so great is to be able to restore families and the thing is with ugandan families is they truly love their children like i think sometimes people think oh they you know they just produce kids and have so many kids and then they can't take care of them and they can't even afford birth control, they don't even know what it is, they don't even know how to use it, um, but they can't even afford it. So this is what happens, and they have children. And, but they love their children. They really, really, really do love their children. They just need that extra support, right? Um, and so we restore families in all different ways. We're able to reunify children with their biological families. Sometimes we've even had children just get lost. Like they, I lost Abby, we were joking the other day, I lost Abby at Target. Like, not now, she's big now. But how old are you? You were like five? Yeah, she decided she wanted to go back to the toy section. you know, and so in Uganda, you saw how the city's crazy, right? Like the, the people, so imagine walking with a child in that craziness. Um, and so it's not that difficult to, for your child to get lost. Um, And so we've had many of those cases where the child gets lost, someone, a good Samaritan sees the child, takes the child to police. And then within a couple of days, the family has come to police because they're checking all the different police stations, you know, to see where my child is. So we also do foster families. So sometimes like the little boy I told you about, we have Um, Abandonment cases, those are the worst ones because they're typically abandoned when they're babies, and babies can't talk. So when you have older children, they can talk, they can tell you where they're from, they can tell you, oh, I live by this tree down the road. Um, But with babies, it's very, very difficult. So unless you see, like someone comes forward and says, I saw so-and-so leave this child, it's very unlikely that we will find their family. But we have have a, in a few cases. Um, but, so when we're not able to, to find a family, we advertise for them. Um, we have to actually we have to advertise in the newspapers, on the radio, um, and we try to advertise in churches, in the community, like where the child was abandoned. <coughs> um, but in those cases that we're not able to find the family, then we work with our probation officer to um, find um, a Christian foster family. So we have placed many children into foster families. This is; These are just some of them that we've been able to place. I probably should have put this before, but this is our team in Uganda. So we have nine employees. We have two security guards, a day guard and a night guard. In Uganda, it's very important to have a guard because security like Trudy said she has been kidnapped twice like you have, <laughs> you really need security um and they're just amazing uncles and they love on the babies too they're like little their dads themselves and um so they also help with child care even though that's not really their job but they do then we have um two great child care workers and we have Auntie Odith, who's our cleaner, and she's also a child care worker. We have Mom Monica, who's our cook. She's actually been with us since we started uh, the ministry in 2010. Um, so most of these employees have actually been with us for many, many years. Um, and then we have a driver, and we have a social worker, and we have our executive director, which is Christine. And we have um, an intern social worker right now, which hopefully, if he does well, then <laughs> then we'll He's still in school. So when he finishes school, um, we'll be able to hire him full-time as a social worker. Um, Because we really feel like we need a male social worker because we want um, our children to see that it's not just moms and aunties. We want them to see that men can be social workers, can be drivers, can be security guards, but they can really be anything and they can really see that father figure. So we're truly blessed to have a really amazing team. And somebody was telling me the other, the other day they were like, "Oh, but aren't you guys like breaking off for Christmas?" Like because in Uganda, like it's actually common for companies and businesses to close for like the whole month of December. And people just all go to the village. Like everybody goes to the village to celebrate Christmas with their families, and so Kampala becomes empty. And so it's like You know, here, people are working, literally, up until Christmas. Um, And so I'm like, no, we can't close ever, because we always have children. Like, we're a children's home, we always have children. They're like, does that mean you don't get any, like, public holidays? I'm like, nope. (laughs) So our employees work extremely hard. Um, And so these are just some pictures of the children's home. And some of our employees, the the kids were giving them a test, a school test, like one of their school tests from high school. And they wanted to see if the aunties and uncles could pass the test. Well, they did not pass the test. (laughs) So the kids were very excited. (laughs) So before I talked about laundry, this is laundry day at the children's home. Thankfully, we do have running water, although we went two years without it which was not fun, um, but now we have running water again, which is amazing. But this is, you can see we have clotheslines and they're all full, and then we still have the whole yard <laughs> is full. So we typically have anywhere from 20 to 25 children at a time um, in the children home. But since we are a transitional home and we're temporary emergency care, it's continuously changing. So we might have some children for a year or two or three years. And then we might have one for a day. Um, It just really depends on their case. Um, So education in Uganda, this is kind of like a typical school, what a school looks like, um, where you have the classrooms. And only half of children complete elementary school. Because like I said, we have to pay um, school fees to be able to go to school. And because of school fees, it's almost like Think of how we have private school here, right, that you pay for. But think of like the poorest, poorest school in the slum and you're paying a little bit of money. And then high-end schools that you pay a lot of money. So we have all those schools in that range from the bottom to the top. So it really depends on how much money you have, whether your children will even get an education or if they'll receive a good education. Um, And this is our back to school shopping. So most children are actually in boarding school, which I found crazy. Trudy, did you find it crazy when you first went? I just found it crazy because I'm like, I cannot imagine sending my little babies to boarding school where I don't see them for like three months. Um, But in Uganda, transportation costs are so high. Like our fuel costs are so high. Um, And then it's not safe. Like imagine like your teenage girl walking two miles to school and then two miles home. Well, here it might be a little safer, I don't know. But in Uganda, it's not safe at all. Um, and so they have boarding schools. So your children will go to school for three months, and they'll have a break for like a month, and they'll go for three months, and then they'll have a break, and then they'll go for three months. So our back to school shopping is really weird because it's not like our typical shopping. So you can see there's bags of sugar, um, there's juice, there's paper, there's toilet paper, there's soap, there's toothpaste, um, there's Vaseline, there's shoe polish because they have to wear uniforms um, and have black shoes that they have to polish. Um, yeah, so you basically, and you have to provide a mattress and mosquito net and bedding um, and all of that. Uh, So I just wanted to include some fun stuff to let you know what life is like in Uganda. So here's one of our employees in the pink dress doing our grocery shopping. So this is our local market that we do um, all of our produce shopping, a lot of our meat. You can see the pork is just hanging. (laughs) That's typically how uh, meat is sold. And our favorite treat is fried grasshoppers. And you guys, they're missing them right now because right now is grasshopper season. So we only have grasshopper season twice a year and December is like the best one. And so now I always like associate Christmas with fried grasshoppers. (laughs) Trudy, do you like fried grasshoppers? (laughs) It took me like four tries. To really like like them. I think I just had to get over that, you know, they're fried grasshoppers. But they taste good. They're like, it's like popcorn or like French fries, like salty, crunchy. Not French fries, like, 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 we call them crisps. What are crisps? Chips, potato chips. I have been gone too long. <laughs> we call them crisps in, in Uganda. Uh, Uganda is so funny. My mom calls it Brugandish because it's like British. English, Luganda is the language where we are in Central. And it's just, and then the spellings are different. So my children are actually doing Cambridge um, school. Um, And so it's very with all the British spellings. And so we have the boot, the boot of the car, and we have a jumper, I don't even know. There's all, it's just weird. Um, So these are some of the meals at the children's home. Um, we cook on these charcoal stoves, we call them sigiris, and we just have these big pots which you can see lots and lots of food. <laughs> so these are the kids, some of the kids lining up uh, for lunch, and there's like a huge bowl of rice. Those teenagers, they can eat a lot. Um, so we really just love sharing about our Savior, right? So in everything that we do, in the meals, and talking in the community with our families, it's all about sharing the love of God, Um, which is Ugandans are like so open. Um, Even Muslim families, they're just very open to the gospel. It's not, I, I honestly tell people it's an easier mission field, I feel like, than like here in the U.S., because People are just, they don't feel threatened, they don't feel defensive, it's just like you're having a conversation, and yeah, I don't know, they're just very um, open to hearing anything. It doesn't mean you might, you'll change their mind in a day, but they're open, open to just hearing and talking and receiving, which is pretty amazing. So we love our smiles. I just had to include these at the last minute because I was going through all my photos and it's so hard to pick the photos that you want to share because they're just all so cute. Um, but I just love these. And the bottom one on uh, the bottom right, this, he was actually at the police station. And so this was when he was going back to his family. And you can just see he was just so happy um, to be reunited with his family. So um, you guys can get involved. A lot of you guys are already involved, actually. A lot of you are already supporting, and we are so, so thankful for that. Um, I truly have an amazing church family, and I've been blessed to be able to grow up here and then be able to come back and bring my kids here, um, which is pretty awesome. So there are different ways you can help. You can also sign up for our newsletter if you don't get it already. Um, I do send, like, a monthly update on kind of what we're doing and what's going on and one of the things we you know our biggest need is honestly just prayer um it can be you know we have like our ups and downs in ministry i think just in life um you know the devil is is there you know and we definitely have to fight that spiritual warfare all the time so and our staff are just amazing um so if you can pray for them I don't know how they don't get burnt out, like, because they are there. We have many of our staff actually live there, so they get one day off a week. And a lot of times their day off is still at the children's home. And I'm always, like, telling them, can you, like, you know, get out or at least go to your bedroom? Like, you know, you need some, like, time. And they're just like, no, no, we're so good, we love it. And they just truly have a passion for what they do and for the Lord. And it's just so amazing to see because there are times when I get so down and discouraged and they'll be the ones coming to me. Mama Sarah, they call me Mama Sarah. Mama Sarah, it's gonna be okay. Don't get discouraged. And they'll pray with me and they'll uplift me. And they get paid very little. Very, 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 very little. And there are jobs out there where they could get paid more, but they choose not to go and seek those other jobs because they're just truly have that heart. And I'm just so thankful for that. Um, and if you can pray with us f- for more foster families, we're always needing foster families. We always have children in the home. We have, I believe three right now, but actually, oh, three. Actually, but they're gonna be placed this Christmas. Um, but we have another, another two. So we have some that are gonna be placed soon, but we always have like a waiting list. Of children, and we just don't have enough families because the process in Uganda is actually not that difficult. Um, But families are just scared in general of like police and government and um, the system and how it works and anything legal, you know, having to go in front of a judge in court, you know, that just kind of scares them because they don't understand the process. Um, And so we're trying to educate families because there are actually so many families that want to foster which is pretty amazing. And please pray that God will meet all of our fin- financial needs. So I'd like to tell you guys that our door is always open. So if anyone wants to come and visit us, please, please, please come and visit us. Um, these are some of our previous short-term missionaries. I know most of you know Susie Richter. She's come before, which was pretty awesome. And... There's a, right now we have a big opportunity to give. So this is the children's home. Um, actually this isn't this is kind of a little older picture because it's been painted gray now, but it looks still looks the same. Um, so we rent the children's home that we're in and our landlord is actually it's funny it's a petrol station that owns the house um, because they bought the land um, next door and then these owners, <laughs> We're like, we don't want to be here next to the petrol station. I don't know. So um, so our landlords are trying to sell the house because it's a petrol station. So they're like, you know, why, do we, why are we dealing with this house? Um, and we've been there about six, seven years now. And it's a, the perfect house for us because it has big rooms. It has a big yard. Um, And we really, it has a perfect location for us because the police station we work with is only about 10 minutes away. Our probation officer that we work with is about 15 minutes away. Um, So it really uh, works well for us. But they're wanting 400,000 US dollars, which is a huge amount of money. Um, And so we're just praying for, for God's provision in that. And I just want to say thank you again for your support. This is one of the photos I just also had to include because I just think it's so cute. Um, but I really am so thankful for this church family and for everyone here, um, and just for supporting. Rafi- it was before it was Rafiki, now we're Kirabo, um, and just continuing that support. I mean, we've been now. Um, it'll be 14 years in January, which. It's pretty awesome, and I was a baby here, so it's just crazy. I'm getting old, guys. Um, I'd love to answer any questions. I don't know if we have time. I don't know. I know I talked a lot, but if anyone has questions. (laughs) So monthly support, Mm -hmm. is there a specific amount? Um, We suggest $35 a month just because it's... um, like a doable amount for most families, but we have people who do $5 a month. We have people that do $100 a month. So it's really whatever you feel called to do or want to do. Um, and we do have, we have children that you can sponsor. Um, we used to have individual children that people sponsor. And some people do still sponsor those children because we, what we do is when we reunite them with their families, We continue to support the family with education um, because a lot of times the families can't afford for the child to be able to go to school. Um, And so we come alongside them with that. Um, And that allows us to also stay in their lives forever. So we're like a little family, which is pretty cool. Um, The kids come and visit us. Now our, wait, guys, how old is Joshua? 19, isn't he 19 now? So our oldest child is 19 years old now. He's doing um, an apprenticeship in mechanics. Um, And so we're going to that phase where our children are becoming teenagers and they're in high school, so please pray with us because it's a very difficult stage. I don't like it. Can you guys not grow up? (laughs) Especially you, Abby. She already thinks she's 17. You're 12. Okay. <laughs> uh huh.
1: Do you have enough food you know, every day, really, to feed all the children that you have
0: there? We do. Um, it's just amazing how God always provides. Um, we've never gone hungry. We've never gone without a bed to sleep in. Uh, we've never gone without the rent paid on time. Um, yeah, I mean, it's on, honestly, you know, it's just amazing how. God continues to provide it. Every time when you think, okay, God, how are you gonna do it? How are you gonna do it, you know? Like when the bank account gets really low, you're like, okay, but then he comes He comes through. Mm-hmm.
1: Are you on some kind of timetable for trying to buy this property before they get sold out from under you?
0: Um, I mean, yeah, basically we need the money like right, right now. <laughs> but also they have been trying to sell it um, For at least a year, and they because we didn't know we didn't know that they were trying to sell it because nobody's ever come to like see it or anything, you know, so we didn't know. Um, But come to find out, they were trying to sell it, but nobody's been interested in it, and I think it's because we are mostly on the main a main road, which is perfect for us, but not so perfect for maybe a family um, because it's like a loud, busy road. So maybe God also designed that, (laughs) right? (laughs) Any other questions? Sarah, what's a typical trajectory for uh, these kids completing high school? What's what's next for them after that? So it's kind of difficult because there are not I want to say I don't know, the unemployment rate is just insane. So actually, a lot of people are self-employed. Um, and so they have these little shops, you know, where they're little businesses, or they make things like you know some of our crafts that we have. Um, and so if you have a really, really, really bright, a really, really intelligent um, child, then university is a good option for them because they can do something like in the medical field where for sure they will be able to get a job. Um, social work is also good. Um, so there are certain jobs in Uganda. Like we, you can't go and be like a astrophysicist because then there's no job, right? So <laughs> you have to be practical. So that's one of the things we're working with our teenagers because they have these huge dreams, right? Of what they want to be when they grow up. And then you're like, I don't want to like limit you But we have to be realistic and practical Um, and honestly the best route is vocational uh, route because especially like during covid like it was the mechanics it was the plumbers it was the electricians it was you know all of those they were the hairdressers like their hairdresser comes to our house to do their hair um and she can make good money doing that you know um and so those are really tailors, you know, those are the jobs that are really there. So we're encouraging our kids, so that's why our oldest now, he's an apprenticeship doing mechanics. Welding is also a really good one in Uganda. So that's what we're encouraging our kids is to be able to go that route so that they'll have practical skills when they finish school. Is apprenticeship a formal program or just, hey, I know somebody that you can apprentice with? Uh, yeah, pretty much. (laughs) I mean, there are, I think, a couple formal programs, but they do have formal vocational school, but it's, um, it can be more books oriented than hands-on. Um, and so it just depends on the child, like how, if they're good with books and that kind of thing, then that's a good route for them to go. Our boy Joshua, he was not, (laughs) not good with the books part. So, for him, it's better the hands-on, yeah. Well, I just want to say thank you guys again for having me, and I'll be around. And um, the craft table is also out there if you want to go out there. Um, There are some sponsorship forms on the table, and I think the kids were passing around uh, the newsletter sign-up sheet in case you'd like to get more information. Tell them about your luggage. No, No, because you brought new stuff. Oh, um, my luggage was, our luggage was late, and I'm still missing one bag, actually, (laughs) which is my bag. Uh, But... I, we brought some new crafts from Uganda, and they didn't make him make it on Sunday. So there are some new items over there.
1: So I know that your parents are going to be going back with you. So are there any items of need that we can provide for
0: you? Oh, that's a great question. Um, yeah, actually, I don't know who donated, but we have, like, boxes of clothes. (laughs) Like, I think my parents just collect all throughout the year, but we're always in need of children's clothes because when we reunite a child with their family, we like to give them, like, a package and some clothes, so we're always in need of clothes, especially boys' clothes. Um, We always get people that donate girls' clothes, but I think the boys are more tough on their clothes, so... (laughs) Don't have as much clothes in the first place. We have the same problem trying to get hand me down clothes from not. Right? So I know and this is my first time having a boy. But at the children's home it's the same. Like we never have boys' clothes. And the aunties are horrible. I have to share this because I just okay, I walked in one day, one of our little boys is wearing a dress. And I'm just like, Trudy, I'm sure you've seen it a lot, you know? But like, I was like, really, guys? And the ancients were like, he's potty training. So he was just, you know, free under the dress. So they're like, it works well. And we don't have any boys' clothes. And I'm like, but really? (laughs) And in Uganda, it's just typical to, you know, put them, because you have what you have, right? Like, whatever you have and whatever. So, but I was like, guys, come on. But I mean, I mean, he was only, he's only like two and a half. So. He's not going to know the difference. (laughs) But yes, um, towels, clothes, toys, they can be used. We'll take anything. It's always um, a blessing and great, yeah. Thank you, guys.
1: I know we use them every week, but I'm pretty confident there will be no microphones or sound systems in heaven or the new earth. Amen. There just won't be. Yeah. No. <laughs> hey, at least it didn't happen until the end. Hey, let me pray. Uh, pray. Uh, thank, thank you again for being here, and let me pray our time uh, over tonight. And um, Sunday is Christmas Eve, and it's going to be good as only the Lord could time Sunday morning. Our passage is the second coming of Christ and Sunday night at Christmas Eve service, we'll look at the first coming of Christ. So I did not plan that out. Only the Lord could have timed that one. So it would be a good day Sunday. Let's pray. Say what? Yes. And there's no grow group, AKA Sunday school, just church at 11. So nobody has an excuse for being late. Into worship. And if you do show up late, just say you were spending some extra time in prayer and fasting. But don't lie about it. Anyways, let me pray. Father, thank you so much for tonight. Thank you just again for the work that you're doing um, there in Uganda. And uh, Lord, we've all heard clearly and um, just the reality of the situation. Uh, the, the very real and present needs that are there, uh, Lord. So I just ask a couple of things that you would open each and every one of our eyes. How you intend for us to be a part or not a part, um, in in the ministry there. That Lord, you would open our eyes as a, as individuals. You would open our eyes as a church to just continue to see how you would have us be a part uh, there. And, and Father, we we ask uh, you. You are well aware of the needs. And I know Sarah and so many are already praying, Lord, we do just simply ask that you would make, if that house is your provision, that you would just continue to, to um, make it impossible for the sellers to sell it, and that you would provide the $400,000, however, whatever means you would do that through, uh, to allow Sarah and, and her family and, and all of the children to be able to stay uh, there at that house. Um, Father, we praise you for how you have provided, and we just continue to lay them in your hands. And um, I praise you, Lord, that you... Um, it is not an understatement or just a, um, a pithy statement, Lord. Your eyes and your heart are for the whole world. And we praise you that just as we've gathered here to meet with you tonight, you are also there. So, Lord, may your kingdom come and may your will be done here and through First Baptist. May your kingdom come and your will be done there in and through Caribou. Jesus, we look to you and it's in your name I pray. Amen.